Hey, Quinn. Hey, Lindsay. How's it going, man? It is going pretty well. I am riding that post-Sophie high right now. Oh, man, I think we're on the same wave. Yeah. Um, big. Yeah, so we just got back from Salt Lake City, Utah. And, and by we, we mean the co-hosts of Viral. Who are... Public health professionals. Public health professionals. Quinn Lundquist. And Lindsey Grove. Yes, I think that's the best introduction we've ever done. Yeah, it was really smooth. Really smooth. And this is a podcast about public health, plagues, medicine, and the people who work behind the scenes to keep us all safe and healthy. Um, this is for you, public health nerdarinos, and all the other people that just like learning about gross, cool stuff. Yeah. Uh, shout out to um, all the people that came to our roundtable on uh, last week. On day, Wednesday. On Wednesday. <laughs> and <laughs> It was a blur. Yep. Uh, those of you who have followed us on Twitter and who have recently started downloading and listening to our episodes, um, for instance, the... Texas Sophie chapter. Hey, Texas. Sup, Texas. Um, yeah, so I hope you all had a good time. And, and also, maybe we should explain what Sophie is for those who weren't there. Sophie is the Society of... For... For... for Public Health Educate. Uh, wow, okay. What's the... Uh, Sophie is the Society for Public Health Education... The O is just part of society. Sub, yeah, I think so. Oh, okay. Yeah. Boy, mm -hmm. I went to their conference and. You know, you would think of would be the, you know, the one, but yeah. I've had to type uh, Sophie and its um, name multiple times, and I have to remember that it's four. Right. So. So we we traveled to Salt Lake City. We um, we did not kill each other. The podcast is not it's broken not dead. up. Not dead. So I think that's a good thing. Yeah. And I just want to also give a shout out to my Central Michigan University peeps. Go Chips. Go Chips. Go Ada Sigma Gamma, Ada Chapter. Um, Y'all were great. I had a wonderful time seeing um, all of you just bright, shining public health stars. It was just, it was a, it was a great couple days. Yeah. So our episode today is actually kind of uh, born of the Sophie Conference because uh, we were walking around downtown Salt Lake City one day and we came across a, uh, a pedestal with a rock on it. And you on know, the rock was a rocks. plaque. Mm -hmm. And I always read plaques. I love a good plaque. You know what's funny is that they write things on plaques, so I'm really glad that you read them. Well, yes, I am a plaque reader. Um, shout out to 99% Invisible, another good podcast about oh my, oh my goodness. design. Wow. And they, they have stickers, and I have a sticker, and it says uh, plaque reader on it because... You wow, I, I was really thinking that this was just a bit for you, but this is a lifestyle. This is a lifestyle. Anyways, the plaque says, uh, in memory of Dr. Martha Hughes Cannon. Baller name. July 1st, 1857 to July 10th, 1932. Pioneer doctor, first woman state senator in the United States. Author of Utah Sanitation Laws. Member of First State Board of Health. 
her office and home located near this spot in South. Oh no, and then this is the part that I didn't even notice until I showed my wife, Erica, and she pointed out, she didn't say anything about the other stuff. She pointed out that the address is listed as 11 South First West. That's very complicated. Like, that's confusing. But I guess it's like, it's located near this spot, so we'll just we'll just call it here. 11 South First West. Not street, not anyways. What's because it's the Wild West, Quinn? It, yeah, it's pioneer times. So I uh, took a picture of that plaque, and like I do, I go back and I do research on whatever that is about. And that's what today's episode is about, because... Dr. Martha Hughes Cannon was kind of a badass. I'm so excited to hear about her. Okay, here we go. Martha Hughes was born in Wales, England, on July 1st, 1857. Her family converted to the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints and emigrated to the United States when Martha was three years old. So she didn't really have much of a say in that, but her family was interested and came on over. Oh, man. So she didn't have, like, the little kid British accent? I don't think so. Oh, that's disappointing. Yeah, that's, that is disappointing. I don't know if there are any recordings of her, but they stayed in New York for a bit to save up money and travel west to the Utah Territory, which they did. And um, though, sadly, Martha's baby sister and then her father died. Oh, and leaving basically her mother a widow and two young daughters at the age of 28. So Martha had a sister, um, which, boy. Wow, that's rough. Her mom eventually did meet, remarry, but it just kind of underscores the fact that life was pretty rough for Pioneer uh, folk. Yeah. Like we were talking about last week, we're really glad we were born when we were born yep. because I don't think we would have done very well. Oh. I'm, I'm very sure I would have been a victim of dysentery. There's no way I would have survived to 32. So I have a quote. Okay. Um, the Utah Territory of 1870 was a study in contrasts, says PBS documentary filmmaker Nancy Green, who did a documentary about um, Dr. Cannon. On the one hand, women were considered oppressed by the outside world because of the practice of polygamy. On the other hand... Brigham Young encouraged women to study and work. While the outside world published political cartoons depicting polygamist women in shackles, women in Utah enjoyed unprecedented rights. They had the right to divorce their husbands. They had the right to own property. Wow. And they had the right to vote. I mean, is this partially because there wasn't, like, a lot of people in Utah? Maybe, but also, I mean, this was a part of the... The Mormon faith was interesting. They, That's such a that is such a huge contrast to what we think of. Yeah. So, in an 1873 address to the annual General Conference of the Church of Latter Day Saints, which from now on I would like to just refer to as the LDS Church because yes, it's very it's long. mouthful. Um, leader Brigham Young encouraged women to enter the medical field and become doctors. That same year, at age 16, Martha Hughes enrolled in college as a pre-med major and worked as a typesetter for a newspaper. So she was working at a newspaper during the day, and then she attended classes at night. So cool. 
1878, after she graduated from college with a degree in chemistry, she was, quote, set apart, unquote, which I had to do some research about. It's apparently an LDS church ritual where a person is formally blessed to carry out a specific calling or responsibility in the church. Interesting. And yes, there is a laying of hands involved. As you do. I'm just going to put my hand... Okay, you're going to be a really good uh, frozen yogurt dispensary worker. You are going to be a really good lawyer. You... Let's get back to you. <laughs> you know what? Let, yeah, let's put this on pause. Yeah, you, you know, um, we'll get, we'll figure something the out. Lord's the Lord's not speaking right now through me. You need to be taking figure, a break. I don't know. Maybe you though, <laughs> doctor. Doctor. Yep. One hundred percent. So she was set apart to study medicine, which. To their credit, is something that she already wanted to do. Okay. Pretty much since she was. Okay, a kid. it wasn't like a giver situation where it was like. This is what you're doing. Yeah. Um. So she was set apart to study medicine. So Martha Hughes then went to the University of Michigan. Oh hey. To get her medical doctorate degree, her MD. She graduated from medical school on her 23rd birthday, which is pretty neat. Mm-hmm. She practiced for a little while in a town called Algonac, Michigan. Yeah. Okay. Which is um, eastern Michigan. Okay. It's not on the border of Michigan and Indiana, but it's like slightly above there, pretty far east. Like, if you look at like Mitten, it's kind closer of Closer like, to Detroit? Close to Detroit, okay. I think. Yeah. So then she traveled to Philadelphia for postgraduate courses. There, she picked up two more bachelor's degrees. Because why not? She, so in oratory and elocution, which are like super old timey. <laughs> I want those degrees. degrees. All right, so if you're keeping track, by age 25, she had four degrees. Oh, my goodness. As a woman in 1878. So that's yeah. pretty cool. That is amazing. Um, then she went back to Salt Lake City to take up her calling as a paid mm -hmm. physician for the church. This is where things got kind of spicy. Ooh, okay. She met and married a man named Angus Munn Cannon, that's where the cannon comes mm -hmm. from, who happened to already have three wives and be 23 years older than her. So she would have been wife number four. She was wife number four. She was four. like four on the totem pole, right? She was the fourth. Okay. And he was 23 years older than her. So almost double her age. Yep. Wow. Polygamy was sacred to the LDS church, but for the rest of the country, it was seen as offensive and actually punishable by a $500 fine and five years in prison. So she sort of went underground. She um, wanted to elude the federal officers mm -hmm. and then, uh-oh, found out she was pregnant with Angus's child. And he was in jail for having too many wives. <laughs> And she found out she was pregnant. Oh, boy. Um, but she went underground because she didn't want to be forced to testify against her husband. Because mm -hmm. she really loved her husband. Mm -hmm. um, so still more or less living underground and on the down low, she self-exiled. She exiled herself from Utah Territory. She was like, I got to get out of here. Wow. 
So this, like she's a doctor and stuff, and, and then she and she's got a young child. She has a yeah young child. Wow. Meanwhile, while she self exiled herself, Angus was like, "I need a fifth wife." Come on, man. So he did that. Okay. He got a fifth wife. Okay, cool. Well, she was living in exile. While he was in prison? I don't know how the prison, maybe he got out or whatever. But I mean, anyways, they could write letters, I guess. I guess the way that they sort of did it back then was um, they would have a marriage ceremony in the church, but not do, like, legal paperwork because mm-hmm. legally you could mm-hmm. only have one wife. So they would kind of be like, hey, you guys are married, but then not officially in legal documents so that was like the way they said oh i'm not but there's like i mean there's a lot of cases too where i mean outside of the lds church where people were like not being forthcoming with being married in another state at that time too like hh holmes america's first serial killer all right so after a few years of living in europe she just like went to europe for her exile i Um, mean if you're like i i get she decided to come back also, the church publicly ended its support for polygamy. Oh. So, like, they officially kind of... We're like, we're kind of done, done with this. this. Yeah. Um, but on the down low, maybe, you know, if you wanted to have some... Hey, we're life. not... But we're not officially We're not okay with it on the outside, but, like, you do you. Yeah. So she felt safer from persecution, even though she personally supported the practice. Um, and this is like my favorite quote that I think I've ever read. Um, in her own words, a plural wife is not half as much a slave as a single wife. If her husband has four wives, she has three weeks of freedom every month. A plural wife has more time to herself and more independence in every way than a single one. She was basically like, look, Three weeks out of the month, he leaves me alone. I get to get stuff done. I'm a doctor. I can't fight that logic, honestly. I, I mean, she seemed to have be. She figured that out, I guess. Now, of course, like that's like a the whole practice. <laughs> it's a side of, husband. <laughs> yeah, it basically is. The whole practice of polygamy is all about men having multiple wives, and it's never about women having multiple husbands. That's yeah, kind of, there's, like, that piece that... Mm. Yeah, it, like, would have been scandalous, but at least equitable, right? What a dream. Oh, yeah. Um, now, remember, we talked about contrasts. Um, mm-hmm. Women, actually, in the 1870s, they had the right to vote in Utah way before they could vote in national elections. Wow. Because the 19th Amendment, I believe, was the mm-hmm. uh, suffrage mm-hmm. amendment, given the women the right to vote in... 19, I think, was it 1919? Uh-huh. Yeah. Because um, in 1920, that's when the League of Women Voters was established. Yeah. So, technically, Wyoming gave women the right to vote in a, a state or territory before Utah, but Utah gave women the right to vote um, shortly after, and they actually had the first elections mm. before Wyoming did. So, women were, were the first mm. to vote Like, to actually cast a ballot. Cast ballots in Utah. Now, because of the Edmonds-Tucker Act of Congress in 1887, that right to vote was taken away because they went after polygamy being bad. And they said, if you are a woman and part of a polygamous relationship or part of a religion that endorses polygamy, you are not allowed to vote now. 
Gee, that seems specifically discriminating. Yeah. Mm. So they wanted to shut down the whole thing, Mm -hmm. going through kind of that. Mm -hmm. So Utah actually had a women's suffrage movement way before it was cool. They were like kind of the hipsters of women's suffrage. Okay. (laughs) Uh, All right. But Martha Hughes was a really big part of it. She was speaking. I mean, she had a degree in orientation. I was just going to say. She was a doctor, and she was talking about um, women's suffrage being like a cornerstone of um, human rights in the 1870s, well, in the 1880s. White, white women's rights. White women's rights. Yeah, well, that's... Sorry to bring the mood down. Yeah, no, that's true. We got we to gotta remember. Got to acknowledge it. Um, so, yeah... Um, she felt that education, freedom, and purpose were very important for mothers, saying, Somehow, I know that women who stay home all the time have the most unpleasant homes there are. You give me a woman who thinks about something besides cook stoves and wash tubs and baby flannels, and I'll show you, nine times out of ten, a successful mother. Damn, girl! Lay it out! All right. Things are gonna get wild again. Whoa! she decided she wanted to run for political office. Of course. So there are so many aspects of her story that make my eyebrows raise and be like, what, did did I just read that right? And this is another one. So she was one of five Democrats running for state Senate in Mm -hmm. Utah. Mm -hmm. And she ran against a Republican dude named Angus Cannon, her husband. I was just going to say. Gosh. And she won. Wow, that must have been a really fun household. <laughs> Apparently, it was totally cool because they stayed married and they said it didn't affect their relationship. I was like, what is this? I mean, to be fair, she's sharing him with four other women at Ex- this point. Exactly. So she's only got to see him at this point every four weeks. <laughs> exactly. Or every five weeks. Yeah, every five Number weeks. Five. Yeah, you're right. Every five weeks. So oh my god! Wow. She ran against her husband, and who was a Republican, who which was is Republican very interesting. And won in on your November, face, Angus. On November third, eighteen ninety six, Martha Hughes Cannon became the first woman elected as a state senator in the United States with ten thousand two hundred eighty eight votes, while her husband only received eight thousand. 54 votes. Ooh, what a smack. It was smack. close, it was close but, like, but not. I mean, I was just going to 65 or 60% say. of the votes. Wow. Cannon introduced three bills in the first month as a state senator. In consequence of her bill, an act providing for compulsory education of deaf, dumb, and blind citizens, Aww. Governor Heber Wells appointed canon to the board of directors for the school for the deaf and dumb. And we don't use those terms right. now, just the but name this of the, is yeah. what kind of, it was sure. back in the... Um, so during her second term as a state senator, she drafted a bill for building a hospital for the the deaf and dumb and blind. So a specific hospital so to deal with. for kids with disabilities. Kids with disabilities, mm-hmm. yeah. Um her second bill was an act to protect the health of women and girl employees. Dang, workplace protections. Mm-hmm. Wow. The bill protected women and girls by requiring employers to give female employees something to rest on when they weren't serving customers. So in typical like service industries where women were most often the ones mm-hmm. doing the work, 
like there wasn't a, anything requiring the employers to like give them something to sit down or take a break on. Wow. So she was like, I'm gonna fix that. Yeah, you can't tell me those heels at the time and like all those petticoats were like comfortable. Yeah. So her last bill from her, remember this is her first month in office. Jeez. Those are, those are the two. Was an act creating a state board of health. Yeah, girl. State board of health. Oh, she's my hero. During the second half of her term in Utah State Senate, she set up a commission that provided regulations regarding contagious disease. She was appointed to the Board of Health by Governor Governor Wells, staying in the position, staying in the position until uh, December thirty first, nineteen o three, and she attempted. Now I don't know if she was successful in doing so, but one thing she really, really tried to do was prohibit children not vaccinated from attending school. In, in case of a disease outbreak. And this was 1903. I was just saying, y'all, people knew in 1903, yep. get your kids vaccinated. So, yeah, the LDS church was divided on the subject. On vaccination? On vaccination. Really? And she was, like, super pro-vaccine. I mean, like it's she said, oh, if your kid isn't vaccinated, they can't you attend school. Will, yeah. Um. Brigham Young Jr. was very vocal in his opinions, writing about the evil of vaccinations. Gee, um, that sounds familiar. Yeah, it's kind He's of... He's the Jenny McCarthy pretty much. of the time. And they kind of controlled this this newspaper, so they would, like, write about oh. stuff, like, dangers of that. It's like... Uh, A.K.A. Facebook. And... Disease grew rampant in Utah, and there was actually a smallpox epidemic um, of 1898-1899, which closed an entire town down because they, like, had such a bad time with smallpox. Um, and she actually tried to prevent this outbreak. Oh, how frustrating for her. I know. Um, apparently, I see, I didn't even know that this was a thing, but to mitigate the effects of spreading uh, the spread of disease... Um, Dr. Cannon eliminated communal cups that were apparently like attached to water fountains. So like oh, there would be yeah. a, like a water fountain, but there would be like a cup and you oh, just use it. Oh man. I'm like, oh. All that backwash. Oh, oh yeah. I don't oh. want other people's backwash. Yikes. So in 1904, Cannon moved to California with her children for health reasons. She wanted the like fresh... I mean, and at that time, California was looked at as like this. It's the same way with Florida, right? You move there because it's good for your health, yeah, the, it's an air, oasis in the air, the sun. Yeah. So then she became the vice president of the National Congress of Tuberculosis. Interesting. Um, and this is the last thing I'll say uh, in terms of like biography, but in 2018, um, the Utah State Legislature voted to send a statue of Martha Hughes Cannon to the United States Capitol's natu National Statuary Hall in 2020. That's so awesome. Next year, she's going to get a statue. That is awesome. She deserves a statue. She does. Isn't that, like, super interesting? That's so cool. She and we just happened just upon right a by. plaque on a rock. I know. I just love that. And it's that... so... Wow, how serendipitous. I know. I just love that she ran against her husband. I can't even, like... And won. Wow. Yeah. Can you imagine running against Erica? Oh, I would never do that. She would... <laughs> <laughs> I don't want to be oh, part of that debate. Oh, I would never do that. She would destroy me. I could see it. <laughs> I could see it. Because you'd just be like, oh, 
Yeah, Eric she's, is right. She's got all, she just has all the facts and she's just really smart and, and and tenacious. Oh yeah. Erica would I'd be scared to run against Erica. Yeah. Um we should have her on the podcast sometime. We need to. I want to talk about public health and pharmacy. Yeah. But anyways, Dr. And, Martha Hughes Cannon yeah. is kind of a public health uh, hero. And yeah. I didn't, even, I didn't really even know about her story, but we happened to walk by a plaque saying, hey, this is honoring It was meant her. to be. It was meant It was to meant be. to be. Um, Thanks for doing all that research. That was so interesting. Oh, it was fun. I was like going down a rabbit hole going, oh my gosh. And like all the plan. genealogy work you've been doing? Yeah. Oh, yeah. man, if you want to get hooked on genealogy, Salt Lake City is the place. That is true. They have a huge family history library, which I spent many two hours there. <laughs> too many hours. Too many and many two hours. And many two. Yeah. Um, yeah, so what are you enjoying uh, or um, reading or doing? I can't remember if I, like had already mentioned this, but I started reading a book uh, called, I believe it's Jungle of Stone, and it's... Um, oh, you have not talked about that yet. Okay, so it's about the two men, um, Stevens and... Oh my gosh, why am I blanking? Anyway, it's called Jungle of Stone, and it is about the two explorers, one was British, one was English, who discovered the Mayan ruins in the Yucatan Peninsula. So I chose this book because um, my husband and I have been considering going to the Yucatan um, to, you know, check it out because it's got like Mayan ruins and sinkholes and tacos and you can Wait, hold on. What was that last thing? Tacos. Yeah, okay. Um, so anyway, but it's a really interesting... tacos more of like an American, Mexican invention i don't know man there's a you'll have to report on this and get back to us i thought it was one of those things that no, like they don't have a lot of actual and like authentic mexican cuisine down there but we do it here because it's like an american mexican thing i will definitely get back to you i'm really I'm excited see, about but... eating my way through the yucatan yeah um so what's interesting and something that i didn't realize was that you know, many, like, obviously, the Incan Empire, the Aztec Empire had been discovered by the Spanish. Um, discovered. Di yeah, quote-unquote, discovered. They were doing all right on their they own. They were, well... They were, well, yeah, until disease. I would say anyway. until, until smallpox. But, um, but the Mayan ruins were not discovered until the 1800s. Because wow. they were in um, kind of, so the area of the Yucatan at that point was, they had been dealing with civil war for decades, and it was just such a dense jungle with obviously yellow fever and malaria. Um, no, like, basically no Westerners had really, like, tried to get in there. But, um, but the Mayans precede uh, the Inca and the Aztecs. Which is very interesting. They were essentially around during the Egyptians' reign, which is fascinating. Yeah. I love finding out what different cultures were doing at the, the same, same time. time. Isn't that awesome? Yeah. Because it puts everything kind of into perspective, right? Like, you think of Egyptians as like, oh my gosh, that was such a long time ago. But then you think... They weren't the only ones around, like, doing their thing. There was a ton of other civilizations that were 
more advanced or just getting their start. So mm -hmm. it's really, really fascinating. But it's, it's a great book. It's well-written. Um, it's not, you know, like, it doesn't feel like a textbook. And um, they include, so the two uh, explorers, one was a U.S. diplomat and the other one was an artist. So he, the artist, like, it in, the actual book includes his artistic illustrations of the ruins that they found. So it's pretty cool. Oh, that is cool. Yeah. What about you, Quinn? So I'm reading a couple of books right now. One book I'm reading is called Philosophy and Social Hope. Oh, yeah. I think I saw that it's in your It's kind of a collection of essays um, by the philosopher Richard Rorty, R-O-R-T-Y. Mm -hmm. um, and I'm, I like to dabble in philosophy, but I also struggle with some of the really highbrow discussions around it. And I, I struggle with thinking about the practicality of, of discussing philosophy versus it being a tool for um, just thought exercises, mm -hmm. you know? Mm -hmm. And what I like about uh, Richard Rorty is that he discusses philosophy in a way that is meant to... Um, be used for the social good. Oh, cool. And it's not just about, you know, what is truth, what is morality, mm -hmm. um, how how should we answer these, like, large life questions. He brings some pretty challenging ideas that kind of, like, break your brain a little bit to mm -hmm. think about them. Mm -hmm. um, like the idea that there is no big objective capital T truth, but rather it depends on the perspective from which you view it. And and it really like throws a lot of things in the face of, of what we consider as science, because mm -hmm. science is like getting to the truth of a thing. Right. But he's basically saying there is no truth. However, what we need to focus on is more what of how we can use um, facts and how we can use things that we discover in our world to make the world a better place mm -hmm. rather than trying to just find out what's going on. Mm -hmm. um, and so I'm only like halfway through it, but that's my kind of rough, dumb person um, interpretation <laughs> of his his philosophical I like um, it. stance. It's really like taking a lot of the Greek philosophers, which are all about, like, what is hope and what is reason and how are we different from, uh, you know, the, the a dog or how are we different mm -hmm. from other things. And it's more about, like, how can we create systems that are based on um, a moral good and, and eliminate inequality and uh use it for for social benefit um so i will have to think about it a lot more because it is really interesting but also kind of dense uh, sounds like it it is good though sounds very meta oh also yesterday i watched john wick punch punch was it good it was actually very good okay uh i had not seen it I've, I've not seen it. Um, I'd heard that John Wick and John Wick 2 were both very good, like incredibly violent, but, mm -hmm. but really good. What made me want to watch it, though, is that I saw the poster that came out um, 
couple weeks ago for John Wick 3, and Jason Manzoukas is in it. Oh my goodness. And I was like, yes, now I need to get into this world because I need to see. Oh boy. (laughs) I love him so much. I know. I hope that it's a Rafi-like character. I hope that it's a Rafi-like character or that he comes in and says, What's up, jerks? I know, right? Yes, um, please. Yeah. But it says, like, the poster says, TikTok, Mr. Wick. Oh. And it has, like, Jason Manzukis, who kind of looks like Rafi oh, a little boy. bit. Oh, boy. And I'm boy. like, this is good. Oh, so I watched the movie, and it was good. The, the violence and stuff was, of course, I was expecting it. But what I wasn't expecting was the, um, like, very uh, professional and, like, uh, straight-faced jokes of, of, like, this whole international crime syndicate and, and being, like, the way that they would, like, talk to assassins and be like, oh, you, you, you doing your work again? And they'd be like, yeah, you know, after they just murdered, like, 20 people. And like, oh, yeah, it's a job. I was like, oh, this is a world. That is a world. Um, That is a world. It was good, though. Okay. It was good. So the name of my book is Jungle of Stone, The Extraordinary Journey of John L. Stevens and Frederick Catherwood by William Carlson. Cool. Um, Yeah, I I did want to tell you that we, James and I watched the first episode of What We Do in the Shadows, the TV series, and it is good. Oh, I can't wait. It's, it's very good. Erica and and I just watched the movie the other night for the first time. I know. And I don't know how I I hadn't seen this. I really don't know how you hadn't seen this either. There's just so much out there. I know. But James has seen it before you have. Yeah. Which is crazy That is crazy. My husband is, like, pop culture immune. He is a pop culture challenged. Yeah. Yeah. So he loves that movie so much. I loved it. It was I could watch very it times. Taika Waititi. Oh, my. I mean, so good. Yeah. And that's, like, very much my uh, comedic aesthetic mm-hmm. is that. Ugh. Yeah, the 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 first episode of the TV show is it's right. same same aesthetic, so good. it's it's I'm, good. I'm excited. Well, um, let's wrap this up. Yep. Um, if you want to follow us, um, if you're listening to this episode, you probably already know how. But if you want to follow us on the social medias, we are on Twitter, uh, which is at Viral Podcast. We are on Facebook. Um, you can go to our website, uh, viral-pod.com, and join our email listserv, so you'll get an email when we get a new episode, when we put uh-huh. up a new episode. Uh-huh. Um, please send us um, send us your thoughts, send us your questions, send us your episode suggestions, um, and review us. We really, really um, need reviews so that other people can find the show, and also so we know kind of uh, how we're doing yeah we, we, we need you know we, we just need to know how we're doing yeah um our intro and outro music is it, by the quick and easy boys yep it is called take your medicines take your medicine take your medicine yeah and um should we re- remind the listeners of a certain something 
Yeah, especially after finding out that Florida is in a hepatitis A outbreak. Oh, wash your hands. Wash your hands. You've got the and voice of an angel. Vaccinate yourself and your kids. <laughs> You've got the voice of an angel. Thank you. All right. Bye. Thank you. Bye. Thank <laughs> you.